Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. Huddle in for the final week of this series through the book of Revelation as Pastor Andy McGowan takes us into the end. Enjoy the message. All right, well, we've been in the series, Are You Ready? A study of the book of Revelation, and it's, we're literally getting to the end. It is the end of the end, right, of this series. And we'll be spending the rest of our summer in the, uh, the study of Romans. That starts next week. It's going to be awesome. But I, I want us to think of this, not just like, okay, here's a bookend. Here it is. This is what I'm hoping to be a launch point for everything that we do. We need to be urgent. So are you ready? That's the question. Are you ready? That's the question we've been asking the entire series. And so if you're going to be ready, are you ready? You need to know how to be ready. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, over the last 10 days, Kenosha City Church we had a team in South Africa, and it took a lot to get ready for this trip. This trip was two years in the making. It was originally supposed to go to Russia, all right? Uh, Russia in November of 2020. You know what happened. Uh, the pandemic hit. It delayed the trip, and then war broke out, all right? So Russia, we, we have our partners on the ground in Russia. We just can't, we can't get on the ground. We have, we have visas that won't be issued. It's probably not advisable in the conditions what's going on over there. We will get back there soon enough. But we pivoted to South Africa. Africa. And we got to understand that God is sovereign and he wanted us here in South Africa in this very moment. So we put on a youth conference uh, for youth and pastors in Johannesburg. Uh, and it, to be completely honest, it was one of the harder conferences to pull off. Of all the conferences I have been a part of, uh, this was one of the harder ones. Uh, the area was very rough uh, due to government corruption. Uh, the country had daily rolling blackouts. They called it load shedding. They were, supposed to, they were given a bunch of money to uh, invest in their electrical grid, and instead they spend it on themselves, their family, and now they don't have power a good chunk of the day all across the country. And so you could imagine on the first night of our conference, what do you think was going to happen, right? We are in our first worship song. We're getting ready to get this conference off the ground. And during the first worship song, pew, the lights go out. And I'm thinking, oh, and it's dark, okay? I'm like, oh, it's, it's wintertime down there. So it's like, okay, it's pitch black dark. And I'm like, this is how we're going to start our conference. But the cool thing is the worship team kept going. Oh, yeah, you couldn't hear the electric bass. There were some holes in the worship, but the voices just got louder. And what's cool about it, we had a lot of people from Zambia, and they just went into, like, traditional, like, uh, just African worship. I was like, what is going on here in the pitch black, all right? This is absolutely amazing. And, of course, they got a generator going, and for the first time ever, I'm preaching under a generator. They had to lock the doors of the building because they didn't want the neighborhood gangs coming in and ripping things off. There was a church down the road where they ripped out everything in the building. So like, okay, this is a wild way to start off night one. But guess what? Nobody gave up and they pressed on. It's unlike anything I've ever experienced uh, here in the United States. They pressed on. They realized the mission. They realized they needed to keep going. And this conference equipped young people to know their faith, how to share their faith, and giving each atten attendee the opportunity to share their faith in the streets and they weren't going to be stopped. Now, on the second day of the trip, and by the way, we'll, we'll go more extensively, give you a trip update in the weeks to come. We're going to bring the team up here in the weeks to come. Can't wait to do that. But uh, on the second day of the trip, uh, we had a soccer tournament, all right? We put on a soccer tournament. We had uh, three games going on in the neighborhood field. Um, and at the end of the soccer tournament, we're going to share the gospel. So it was legit. We made a legit field. We brought all the gear out there. We left the gear behind. We had legit refs. Um, and this tournament was it's built by just rapid word of mouth. We didn't advertise it. We just said, hey, go tell your buddies. And before you knew it, we had hundreds of people uh, taking part in this tournament. 
Now, as the tournament began, the director of Go Live Dare, Don Olding, and I, we were a little bit behind, uh, and we were walking up to the field as the games were ready to progress. And you understand, this area we would consider a very rough area, high crime. So as we were walking to the fields, uh, Don noticed this group of seven uh, boys, uh, young men, that were sitting in the benches. Hector, they are. These young men had scissors, and they were cutting up their weed in preparation of getting high. Also unbeknownst to us, they were in a neighborhood gang and was seen as a violent threat to many in the neighborhood. We didn't know that. So instead of ignoring the young people, Don, as only Don can do, I mean, he's a, he's a big guy. He used to, before Christ, he was a bouncer. Before Christ, he was a brawler, so nothing scares him. Uh, he began to engage with the group, asking them what they were doing. And they're talking about, we are, we're rolling up our weed. You can see the guy right there, he's rolling it up. I'm like, and he's shaking their hands, and they have weed on their hands. I'm like, Don, you have weed on your hands. Like, it was weird, okay? And so, uh, but he began talking to them about Jesus. And as he was talking about Jesus, I looked at what seemed to be the leader of the group. You can see in the picture, the far, uh, your far left with the scissors, he seemed to be kind of the, the voice uh, of the group. And I asked him, like, what are you doing? He goes, like, we're about to get high. And immediately I thought of, you know what? I'm going to tell him a twist of the tale of the real story of the woman at the well. You know that? John chapter 4, Jesus goes to a woman and says, and he begins to ask for water. And then he begins to say, I can give you water that will never exhaust. And she's like, I want that water. I'm like, I think I'm going to go woman at the well here, except it's not going to be well, it's going to be weed, all right? So I said, hey, uh, if I can tell you a high that would give you more than a high than anything else, the high of the most high, one that you will never, you know, not feel dissatisfied, would you be interested? And not only did he say yes, the whole group kind of leans in. They said, yes. Show us where we can get this high. Oh, boy, here we go. I'm locked in. I realize, wow, this would be so cheesy in the United States, but they're locked in. All right, it's like, okay, here you go. His name is Jesus. And they're like, huh? Jesus. Like, if you receive Jesus in your life, you won't need that stuff. If you receive Jesus in your life, you're going to re receive the satisfaction you're looking for. But most importantly, if you receive Jesus in your life, you're going to receive that forgiveness that you can't get anywhere else. You're going to receive that purpose that you're looking for everywhere else, but it's not, you're not finding it. Are you interested? You're interested in the high, the most high. And they're like, yes, we are. So Don and I began to explain the gospel, and we were able to get through the entire thing. The entire thing. And they were understanding what, what, what we were saying. And so we got to the point of like, all right, would you guys like to receive Jesus in your life? They're understanding this. Like, would, would you receive Jesus in your life? And they're like, yes, three of them. Three of them. Not everybody. Some are like, oh, I don't know. Some are like, eh. three of them. We're like, yes, we want to receive Jesus now. This is what we need to do now. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, we're going to, people are going to receive Jesus right now. And it's like, all right, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. And as we bowed our heads to pray, all heck broke loose. <laughs> when we bowed our heads, before I could even get one word out of my prayer, a rival gang came by and began to just taunt them. Now, when one rival gang begins to taunt another gang, guess what happens usually, right? Do you know? Oh, yeah, we found ourselves in the middle of a brawl. It was like WrestleMania, all right? And they were brawling each other. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? This brawl, like, and, you know, when you have this big brawl of people, usually it kind of moves like a dust devil, right? You know, it's like it's kind of moving all this way. It began to move towards the bridge, and Don got in the thick of it, right? Again, he used to be a brawler. He's like, put everything away. They pulled their knives out. One guy was threatening with a gun. I'm like, what is going on? And so I'm like, okay, I need to go help Don. And as I'm beginning to walk towards the bridge, I froze. And I realized, no, hang with me here. I saw this two weeks before the trip. I saw this very area and this very fight, and I got in the thick of it. I was knifed. Let's just put it this way. In the end of the dream, Don was okay, I wasn't. 
And I'm like, I've seen this. And I realized the Lord had warned me two weeks prior. Don't go into a gang fight. So I'm like, okay, I'm either, that's the only bridge to the game. So in order to get the bridge, like, uh, I, I either have to join it. Um, and there's a park behind there. And some of our girls from the trip, they were in that park. I'm like, okay, if they go in there and they get in trouble, I'm going to have to join it. Or if I want to avoid this whole thing, because I know what happens uh, two weeks prior, I kind of saw this. Beneath that is a sewage lagoon. So I'm like I'm contemplating, I'm going to wade through that thing, all right? I couldn't believe this. Don's in the thick of it. He's telling them to put their knives away. He's telling them to quit threatening each other with guns. And one of the guys that we shared the gospel with, he had had enough. He wound up. He took his fist and knocked the guy out that was threatening with a gun. And he went to the ground, blood spattering everywhere, blood spattering on Don. And he laid there for five minutes and kind of dispersed him there. And we looked at him like, is he dead? And without, with, after five minutes, he finally got up and began to stagger away. And we couldn't believe it. And the group of guys we just shared the gospel with, they were like, we win! <laughs> We win. I'm like, no, that's not, oh, this is, I can't believe this, right? Like, what's going on? Like, and finally, Don, without, without nothing, he knew his purpose. He said, gentlemen, this is not how you act. How would you like to join this soccer game? I'm like, are you crazy? They just about killed this guy. They joined the soccer game, and they played the soccer tournament, and they heard the gospel. Now, I wish I could tell you that they received Jesus when they heard the gospel. They heard the gospel now twice. They're getting ready to receive it. Maybe they did. Maybe the seeds are there. But some of their buddies who weren't in the original fight, they joined the soccer game. They, were, they did drugs. They did all these different things, and they responded. They said yes to Jesus. And not only did they say yes to Jesus, they joined the conference, and on the last day, they're knocking on doors sharing their faith. How does that happen? I'll tell you how that happens. It happens when you are ready and prepared to do the work of Jesus. And church, what I want to say to you this morning as we close off the Revelation series is that many of us in many churches are not ready to do any of that. We're there to talk about it. We're there to maybe know about it. But what has happened is we have devolved into personal uh, comfort or we've devolved into a club. I'm not saying us, but I'm saying in general. Do we want to be New Testament Christians or do we want to play the game? I am sick and tired of playing the game. And I want you to know this right now. I did not intend to be in a gang warfare fight, right? But now that I have, I'm here to live to tell about it. And what I want to tell you this on the flip side of it, are we done with the game? Are we? Are you ready? Are you ready for the gospel? Are you ready to advance the gospel or do you want to play games with comfort? That's the line in the sand I'm drawing. Did you get that? <laughs> I'm asking myself this question too, church. Because this is the question Revelation's asking us. You see, through prayer and preparation, the Lord made Don and I aware of a situation of which we needed to talk into. You see, if we go into a situation in our own flesh, you know what happens? We can't do what God's telling us to do. Am I right? We don't have what it takes. Oh, you hear these name it, claim it. You have what it takes, church. You've heard it before, right? You, you can name it. No, what I'm saying is this. In yourself, you do not, I do not have what it takes. But with the Spirit of God, you can do way beyond what you think you're capable of doing. Because with the Spirit of God, he teaches you to be naturally supernatural in your life. Do you believe that, church? 
When you receive Jesus Christ, you can receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can do everything God is telling us to do. That's what it means to be a New Testament Christian. That's what it means to be a New Testament church. And I'm telling you, this morning, in ourselves, we can't do what God's asking us to do. We need him. We need God. And as we've been studying the book of Revelation, and we see that Jesus is coming back and everyone will face him, this means a gospel that is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's urgent. People need to hear this. We need to be proactive in sharing Jesus. But you have to prepare now if you're going to be ready for the later. You have to prepare now if you're going to be ready for the later. In fact, that's our main point this morning. A prepared person is a ready person. A prepared person is a ready person. Now, I'm a little convicted saying that because I can think of the many times that Allison, and you want to talk about a prepared person. It's my wife, Allison, right? And, and so, like, when we're, when we're getting ready for vacation, I'm packing my bags literally 20 minutes before we're going out the door. That is not prepared, okay? That's like thinking, okay, I can always go to Walmart buy clothes if I forget my clothes, all right? A prepared person is a ready person. A prepared church is a ready church. Now, you can go through the book of Revelation, and we can go through this whole series, and we can miss the point. In fact, many people have missed the entire point. How ready are you as a person? How ready are we as a church, as Kenosha City Church? And my fear is, is that many of us, including myself, we won't be ready when Jesus Christ comes back. Many churches will be distracted, and distracted not by things of the Lord, but the things of their own making. Many have become cultural Christians, that is, Christians that are Christ followers in name only. Your prayers are more of a wish list of, I hope God can do this, not thinking God can do this. Uh, maybe, maybe for cultural Christians, they, they, they don't treat people any different than a, a secular person would treat, or, they, or their gossip could even rival that of a non-Christian. For many people, they are not ready because your marriage may be a mess. Some of you aren't married and you're playing married. As some of you, you want to do it your way and not God's way. And if God's way is convenient, then you'll do it God's way. Some of you have an anger issue. Others, you're addicted, whether it's to porn or you're addicted to substances or you're addicted to other things. Some claim to have Jesus, but let's face it, if you didn't have Jesus, would your life look any different? That's a question for me. By the way, if I'm asking these questions today, no, I'm asking myself this. We need to ask ourselves this if, if God's going to propel us uh, to reaching this city. Now, make no mistake, heaven is not for perfect people, right? We are not a perfect people, but we are people made new, right? Heaven is for messed up people who are redeemed people. Titus 3.5 says it this way, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, through the washing and regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. You are not saved by doing good. All right, you're not saved by doing good. Jesus died that while we are yet sinners, he died for us. But when you say yes to Jesus, he receives you as you are and he takes you where he is going to be more like Christ. But for many, Churches especially around the country, even around the world, they're not ready. They can have church each Sunday, but they're busy with ministry, but the gospel is not advancing. Jesus did not die on the cross for the church to be a club. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to be comfortable. Jesus didn't die on the cross so the church can be just busy and feeling like because of their busyness, it's righteousness, no. Jesus did not die on the cross for us to be the cool church, the cool place to attend. Jesus did not die on the cross so you can be judgmental. 
you know, nice on the surface. Oh, praise God. Oh, did you see what you were wearing today? Right? You've seen that before, right? Like, oh, blessings to you. And you know what? Like, when people are, like, over the top like that, I'm like, oh, you just wait. All right? <laughs> you know? It's like, no, Jesus did not die on the cross for you to be judgmental. And sometimes mean people like to hide out in churches so they can hide behind spiritual sayings and then never change. But Jesus died to unleash his spirit on us, on the church, to move the gospel forward in our lives, in our services, to see people born again, to see people uh, know Jesus in, in a way they've never known him before, for people to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that they can't live a natural life any longer. They believe that God can do what only he can do. He made us to be disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. So here's a question I'm going to ask you, same question I'm asking myself, remember. If we're going to be ready, and the gospel's urgent, this is a now question. This isn't for somebody else, this is a now question. Who are you reaching for Jesus right now? It could be that you're saying the gospel, it could be you're inviting someone to church, it could be you're having a, a gospel conversation, but who are you? I'm not talking about your spouse, I'm not talking about your friend, I'm not talking about 35 years ago, I'm talking about right now. Who are you reaching for Jesus? Now, I want to be a church of grace. I realize that a lot of us in here, we might be like, nobody. But this is your time for the Spirit of God to place a name on your heart. Write it down the notepad of your, of your phone or, or your physical notepad and say, I'm going to start praying for this person. Who are you reaching for Jesus now? Who are you growing with in church in Christ? Uh, are you ready? Are you ready? So let's get ready, for we are closer to Jesus than when we began this series. We are closer to Jesus right now. By the stroke of the clock, by the seconds that go by, we are closer to when he is coming back. His salvation is closer than when we have just begun. A prepared person is a ready person. If you're going to be a ready person, we need to know how to be ready. So three things this morning. Number one is a, you need to be ready with, ready with wholehearted obedience to his entire word. Wholehearted obedience to his entire word. What does it mean to be wholehearted? I want to be wholehearted. We, we throw terms out in life and in the church, and we're like, what's that actually mean? We say it because it sounds good. We say it because we know it's right. But what's it actually mean? Wholehearted means this. It doesn't mean you're half-hearted. It doesn't mean like, mm, you know, it's, just, it's one of those things on the tick list, but it's not a priority. No, no. Wholehearted means this, that you're not double-minded. It, wholehearted means uh, that that it is that is that it has that all your mind and your desires and what you do with your body everything who you are is for the lord the lord god almighty to be wholehearted does not mean you follow your heart but rather your heart takes its lead from the lord and fully trusting in who he is and what he says to do wholehearted we don't discover ourselves. Oh, we are in an age of self-discovery. I've just discovered this self, this thing about myself, and I just, I'm, just, I'm just a better person. I'm a, stop it. Save your money. Don't need to buy the books. To be wholehearted is this. It isn't finding who you are. It isn't being who you are. It is who are you in Christ? Jesus wonderfully, fearfully made you in your mother's womb, amen? And when he fearfully and wonderfully made you in your mother's womb, he's unleashed you to be like him. Be wholehearted. We need to be wholehearted, obedient to his entire word. Revelation chapter 22. 
verse 6. That's where we'll start this morning. Revelation 22, verse 6. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. So John had been receiving this revelation in all of the book of Revelation through an angel. All right? An angel is just a messenger. All right? And so he's being encouraged to know that every word and everything that he has seen is true and trustworthy. And that they're going to soon take place. Now again, this was 2,000 years ago. When you're reading this, soon take place. Yeah, that's a long time ago. And you know what? Some theologians, they try to get rid of that tension by saying, oh, well, yeah, well, this is what Jesus actually meant, or this is what, you know, the book of Revelation really meant. You know, these things were just, you know, uh, these things already happened. And like, we, we, we don't need to do theological gymnastics so that God can be right. God is right, and if, we don't, and if it seems odd, it's because we aren't understanding. Does that make sense? We don't have to correct God. If God said he's going to come soon, what's he mean by soon? Well, we're told in Scripture that a thousand years to us is but a day to God, all right? So we know that time is nothing to him, all right? But soon also gives us this understanding that when he could come back, he could come back at any moment, right? When a parent wants to, the kid to clean their room, and they said, your room better be cleaned when I come back. What do you think the parent's gonna say? Now I won't be back for a week. I'm going on a business trip, right? The kid isn't gonna clean their room up for seven days. What's the old trick of a parent? Don't show them your hand, right? When should I do it, mom and dad? Soon. I'm coming soon. And they realize, I need to get ready now. And that's what Jesus is doing, is that time is nothing to him. A time, a thousand years is but a day to him. You must understand that from his perspective. It's not long. Uh, but we must understand there's an urgency. He can come at any moment. And that because he can come at any moment, he wants us to be on mission. He knows in our natural selves, if he said, oh yeah, it's going to be 2,000 years before I come back. We're like, oh sweet. Like we could take our time. Like vacation anybody, right? Uh, we'll, we'll go to church maybe before we die, right? No. No, Jesus knows our natural selves. He wants to be ready in our mission now. We are like, uh, you know, let's put it this way. Another way of God knows what he's doing when it comes to time. When you go on the long road trips with your parents, and it seemed long from our perspective as a kid. Like if it was even a 45 minute ride, it was like literally driving 15 hours, okay? And so what would you do as a kid when you're in the car? Dad, are we there yet, right? You all ask that question, right? I mean, my kids ask it sometimes, I still ask it, right? Are we there yet? Dad, are we there yet? Like, no, we're not there yet, almost. Hour go by. Hey, Dad, are we there yet? No. And we go by. And the thing is, as a kid, we get anxious because we want to know how much longer is this journey. But what we don't realize is this. The father who's at the seat driving the car, he knows how long it takes. He knows what timing we're going to get there. And he knows the destination of what he's going to. Oh, you know where I'm going with this, right? We are sometimes kids in the car and Jesus is driving and we're saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And what he's saying is, just think about the destination. The joy is in the journey. Think about the destination of what we're going to. Don't get distracted of when we're going to get there. We're like that when it comes to Jesus' second coming, aren't we? 
but a thousand years about a day to the Lord. We need to be people that are driven and led by his word and empowered and filled by his word in the time of the waiting. We need to be obedient people to the entirety of his word if we're gonna be ready. Now, people make two mistakes with the word of God. I think one mistake is more than the other in this, in this era, but I'm gonna address two of them. The first mistake when it comes to the word of God is the people that are actually in it, they know it, but they're failing to apply it, okay? I think this is a problem that was more of a problem even a decade ago. Um, I'll give you the other problem in just a moment. But for the person that know the word but fail to apply it, you can know the word of God inside out, but you're not really interested in the fruit of the word throughout your lives. And listen, when you know the word of God and you fail to apply it, it rots in your mind, right? If you don't eat the fruit, right, what happens to fruit? It, it, it rots, it gets ugly, right? People, sometimes we think that the spirit of God, the fruit of the spirit is optional, and that's why even Christians, we can act non-Christian in the name of Jesus. And, and when you act non-Christian in the name of Jesus and you know the word of God, you begin to live a life of superiority. I'm so much better than them. Or, and you might not say it that way, but you begin to think of it that way. And it's, it's awful. But make no mistake, we must know the word of God. We must know the word of God if we're to live out God's word. But the key is live out what you know. Jesus had to deal with religious people called the Pharisees. Uh, they were a Jewish religious sect that adhered to the Old Testament law. They knew it very, very well. But they also added their own human traditions and equated them with the Old Testament law. And they were so sure of themselves and their religiosity, they were so sure of themselves and what they knew about the word of God that they rejected Jesus. <laughs> Think about that. When you read through the Gospels, you can just blow right through that. That is absolutely amazing. The people that should have known that Jesus was coming, they missed him and rejected him and crucified him. Now, Christians, today we can't technically be Pharisees because if you're a Christian, you're not rejecting Jesus, but you can fall into the trap of the Pharisees in living a life of legalism. This is where Christians will live a life where we feel the knowledge of the Bible makes us better. Uh, you pray out loud so that, not that God can hear, but other people can hear you. Uh, you believe that how you adhere to the law just makes you a little bit more favor before God. Uh, you speak religious language, but you're, you're, the spirit is not overflowing in your lives of other people. That very much the life of legalism, dry legalism, is a threat to the church today. It's a threat to you and I. To try to prove ourselves of what we know. Now listen, it's important to know the word of God. In fact, I think the opposite is, I think many people don't know the word of God. But listen, when you begin to read the word of God, you are going to have the natural inclination to puff your chest up saying, I know all this stuff now. <laughs> this is so good, right? Don't be a Bible snob, all right? Know the word of God because listen, here's the deal. Our theology informs our practice. How you live life is gonna be what you know and believe about who God is. And how do we know and believe who God is? The word of God, the Bible. So one of the problems of the word of God and not, uh, not being obedient to it is knowing it but not applying it. Secondly, the, the second problem, and I think this is becoming more of an increasing problem today, is living with no law, no word. It's an old-fashioned term called antinomialism. Uh, this is living as you want, because you believe that God will just accept you whatever you end up doing. So these people don't read scripture. Um, they might hear scripture. In fact, I've heard people say this before. Well, I, I read scripture. When do you read scripture? When you put it on the screen on Sunday morning. I'm like, man, I just want to be honest with you. If the only diet of the Bible is the screen on Sunday morning or me reading it to you, you're not going to fare well in life. 
In fact, your theology is going to be twisted. It's going to be a mix. It's going to be a mutt of what you hear on Sunday morning and what you're, what you're just hit with every single day in secular society. You need to be people of the word, but I fear that people aren't reading God's word today. We are to read God's word. It grows us, and God expects us to grow. Philippians 1.6 says this, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it out in completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. It's Philippians 1.6. I'm sure of this, that he who has started a good work in you. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, he begins a good work. He started a good work in you, and he'll carry it out to the completion until the day of Jesus. What he's saying is this. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you begin to grow, right? You begin to know who Jesus is, right? You're saved. But it doesn't end there. You're to grow to become more like Jesus every single day of your life. So, the question is this. Are you in the word of God? You see, God is at work in you and he wants to work in you and you're to grow until he comes back or you die, whatever comes first. But living with no biblical diet is a major, major problem. And when you aren't in God's word, that means that secular understanding of certain subjects, secular understandings of certain situations in your life will dominate instead of a biblical ethic. So if you're not in the word of God, it'll affect your ethics on sexuality. If you're not in the word of God, your ethics on how you speak to people will be changed. If you're not in the word of God, your ethics on the sanctity of life will be twisted. If you're not in the word of God, your view of the church will be twisted. If you're not in the word of God, your, your, your view of the power and necessity of the Holy Spirit will be nullified. If you're not in the word of God, your urgency of the mission to reach Jesus, uh, to reach people with Jesus will be near zero. If you're not in the word of God, your participation in the things contrary to God will dominate. If you want to live a biblical life, you've got to be in the Bible. If you want to live, be in a spirit-filled life, you need to have a diet of God's word. If you want to be somebody who can do what all of God is calling you to do, you must be informed with God's ways. Your practice will be informed by your theology. And for many, what they know about God is from culture or the people to hang out with and not the Bible. But Jesus said this in Matthew 23, 3. He says, be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. He's talking about the Pharisees. Pharisees knew the law really well, but they didn't practice what they preached. We need to be people that know the word of God and wholeheartedly apply the word of God. You will not grow if you don't know, and you will not grow if you don't do what, you, what God told you to know. A prepared person is a ready person. Therefore, we need to have whole hearted obedience to his entire word. Secondly, if you're to be a ready person, you need to be wholehearted, a wholehearted expectation of his arrival. This seems kind of redundant. We talked about this each week, but I think we would fail if we didn't mention this again. Again, the scripture warns it. A wholehearted expectation of his arrival. Revelation chapter 22, verse seven. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed are the one who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. We have a shift here. The angel was talking in verse six, but now the angel is quoting Jesus. And Jesus is saying, behold, I am coming soon. Jesus is saying to us this morning, he is coming soon. And you are blessed if you keep the words of this prophecy close to you. Jesus said he's coming quickly and therefore we must heed the word that, that keeping, that the one who keeps, we can also translate that heeds. Uh, heeding is believing that Jesus can come back right now. 
It's heeding what he's saying. It's, it's keeping close to our heart what he is saying to where it will, it will reflect in our actions, in our preparation, in what we do in action. Now back to our missions trip again, and we have plenty of stories to tell. We'll give you a proper uh, update in a, in a week or two's time. But uh, um, when our last day of our missions trip in South Africa, we took the team to the Cape of Good Hope. It is beautiful. The Cape of Good Hope is literally in Cape Town where the land of Africa ends into a point and all you see is ocean. It's literally the ends of the earth. You feel very, very isolated, but you also know where God sent us, it literally was the ends of the earth. And so, very beautiful place. Um, if we ever go back to our missions, which it's our partner, we will, we'll take you there, all right? Uh, just something that you need to experience and just knowing what God has called us to do. But as we go to the Cape of Good Hope, there's all these signs on the side of the road, and I thought they were hilarious. It said, watch for baboons. <laughs> like, seriously, we don't have those in Wisconsin, do we? Right? Watch your baboons. They're like, we're taking pictures of the sign. Like, look at that sign. Watch your baboons. That's hilarious. Maybe we'll see one, right? And then another sign, watch your baboons. Watch your baboons. Like, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Rafiki from the Lion King, right? You know, <laughs> that's so funny. But if there's a sign on the side of the road, why is it there? It's there for you to be expectant that you will see a baboon. And if you see a baboon, it's not so you can take a picture of it, of which we did, okay? It's so that you will heed the warning of the sign that baboons are dangerous. So we drove into the parking lot of the Cape of Good Hope, and what did we see? We saw some baboons, all right? They're just sitting there, just kind of looking at us. I'm like, huh. They're kind of stoic, like, oh, look at them. Oh, no big deal. And we walked past them, no problem. And we went on our hike to the Land's End Trail to where it ends at the ends of the point, I had a backpack on uh, full of candy and goodies because, you know, you need, it for the, you need it for the hike. As, we, were, as we, we went to the end and then we took some pictures and then we started walking back. Some of our team got back to the, the parking lot before I did. And I'm starting to get text messages like, the baboons are crazy. It's like, what do you mean the baboons are crazy? They are circling our vans. And then I get a picture of someone from our team where they actually stole their postcards. So I'm like, they're, they're like looking at their postcards. It's hilarious, right? I'm like, okay, the baboons are getting a little crazy. That's, I didn't think anything of it. So I get to the parking lot, and the bat, there's about four or five baboons circling our van. And they're, like, they're making like the monkey noises. I'm like, oh man, this is gonna get a little weird. So I began to just kind of tiptoe off to the side, like maybe they won't see me, all right? The bag I'm wearing is a pink bag, all right? It's not my bag, all right? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, I was like, hey, I'll, I'll, be the, I'll, I'll hold the bag full of candy, right? And so this thing is just, it's blaring, all right? So I'm kind of tiptoeing. I'm trying to get to the car. And all of a sudden, the king of the baboons decided, I'm going for him, all right? He made, his, he made his monkey noises. He showed his teeth, and he began to sprint after me. Now, I know when I go camp in Alaska, they say, you know, when a bear's charging you, you drop your bag. So like bear instinct came and I realized this monkey's gonna climb on my back. He's gonna bite my neck. He's gonna claw me. He would have done this, all right? And so I'm gonna drop the bag. I dropped my iPhone and I ran, woo, like this, right? And the bag is on the ground. And what's he do? He immediately goes to the bag. I'm glad he didn't take my phone. And uh, he began to just rummage through the bag. Of course, the rest of the group, they wanted to make sure we can get our bag back because candy's important. <laughs> One of our guys from the group takes Ethan's tripod because he's, he's shooting footage for this trip. It starts to chase the monkey with the tripod. And the monkey went off and he was fine. I'm like, oh, that was crazy. 
I've never been chased by a wild animal before. So I pick up the bag, everything's good. And I go into the van and I begin to start the van. As I'm beginning to start the van, I see one of the most muscular guys in our church. He's on vacation today, so I can say his name is Luis Hernandez. I hear him, the baboons, the baboons are coming, they're coming. It's like, what? And as I'm turning in the car, literally a baboon's head is halfway in our van. His hand is halfway in the van taking our food. There's three other baboons ready to get in. All they have to do is put in Cape Town baboons. When they get in your van, you're not coming home with it. They'll rip the thing apart. And I realize, oh my goodness, what do we do? I'm like, this is, we're gonna lose our van. And Lewis, to his credit, he winds up his foot and he just kicks the baboon in the face. In fact, let's take a look here. We got a before. Do we have a before picture right there? There's the before and there's the after. Take a look at that. Let's go ahead and put the after. <laughs> no baboons were harmed in this experiment, okay? But we were about to be harmed, so it was warranted, all right? So anyway, why did this happen? because we didn't heed the 35 warnings that were on the sign and we thought they were cute. We didn't heed the warning of the baboons. And the baboons not only would rip our face off, they wanted our car and our candy. You know what, church? The reason why God, Jesus Christ himself, in Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter in the Bible, is saying again for the 35th time, just like the sign of the baboon saying, warning, he's giving us a warning, he is coming soon. He wants us to heed this warning. He wants us to keep this close to our heart. He wants it so that not only that we know about it, but that we're actually gonna walk and prepare with it. Some of us have a backpack full of candy and are walking by baboons this morning and think we're gonna be all right. But God wants us to be ready and walking in the fullness of who he is. We have been warmed. We have been informed to prepare. That's why we need to be in this book. That's why we need to do what is in this book. That's why we need the spirit of God empower us to be capable of being fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who keeps these words. Keeps means heed to hold fast to guard. The church has grown cold. If a church has gone off mission, they have forgotten and maybe don't even believe that Jesus can come back soon. When churches don't heed the warning, they become a holy huddle instead of a holy mission. It's too easy to think of the worries of today at the expense of the eternal mission that we have been entrusted with. Do you believe Jesus could come back right now? Do you believe that? I want you to ask yourself that. If that's true, then what needs to change? Do you believe that? Do we believe that? I think it's important that we do say out loud, yes. That's really important. That's confessional but we need to be operational. Do we believe that Jesus can come back at any moment? The urgency of the gospel puts things in perspective, that you don't have time for what bogs a person or a church down to get off mission. There was a church that did get off mission in the New Testament. They forgot their urgency. They thought anyone who died had missed the second coming of Christ. So they thought that Christ wasn't, some many thought that he wasn't coming back anytime soon. And so they became an idol church, not an idol, but like idol, like they weren't doing anything. They're just sitting around twiddling their thumbs, like, yeah, we believe in Jesus, right? 
So Paul wrote them a corrective letter in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says this, about the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. And the reason why he's saying they know very well is Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 24. When they say peace and security, then suddenly destruction will come upon them like labor pains in a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, do not let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, but those who get drunk, get drunk at night. So this church was idle. They weren't doing things. They weren't living on mission. And when you don't live on mission, you begin to look like the world. Do you know why people don't want to come to church? Because like, why do I want to go to an institution that's not much different than any other 501c3 or organization on the planet. Church, we are not a 501c3. We're not another organization on the planet. We are the church, the bride of Christ, of whom he went on the cross to die for. It's something completely wholly other than anything else on the planet. And we need to know, we need to be a bright, shining light so that people don't see darkness, they see the light of Christ living through us. We need to be people that are urgent with the gospel, that we reach this generation now. Those that say, I'll do it later. You know, people might not say that even out loud, but we do it by our actions, I'll do it later. Ah, we don't even really do that. We need to focus on this right now. Have you ever heard that before? I've heard it before. I've said it before. Well, in this season, we just need to focus on this in the church, and then we need to focus on it. When do you ever hear Jesus talk that way? Does he say, okay, let's just partition it here. Okay, you know, it's like, okay, in this little box, all right, we're just gonna, we're gonna think about ourselves right now. You know, we're really gonna get deep in worship in this season, and we're gonna, you know, get out right worship songs. Okay, and then this season, we're gonna do a bunch of discipleship. This season, we'll have a focus on evangelism, and then in this season, we're just gonna do a bunch of outreach in the community, and then we'll go back and we'll focus on this because it was neglected, and then this was, that's what we do. We start thinking, we start doing pet projects in church. What's Jesus say to do? All of it, all the time, right? That's what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples repeat. But those that say they'll do it later often never get right with God because tomorrow never comes. The prepared person's a ready person. Their wholehearted obedience to the entire word of God, their wholehearted with expectation of his arrival. Third, their wholehearted worship. They have wholehearted worship toward the real and only God. This is really important. Notice this in Revelation chapter 22, verse eight. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. What an amazing passage. After 22 chapters of one of the most incredible visions in all of scripture, a vision that is yet to come and will come, John completely botches it. He completely misses it, right? He's getting ready to like catch that last touchdown of the game and he completely fumbles it. 
He sees this wonderful vision. He's overwhelmed. And what he does is instead of saying, praise King Jesus, he gets on his feet and begins to worship the messenger, the angel. And immediately the angel said, stop it. Don't do this. We don't worship angels. We don't worship saints. We don't worship personalities. Uh, we, we don't worship book authors, right? We don't worship podcast uh, producers or, 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 or people that do podcasts, right? Who do we worship? God, the Lord God Almighty, period. But he was overwhelmed, and when we are overwhelmed, we have a tendency to throw our aim at the thing that's overwhelming us and that worship on that thing that we think is awesome instead of the one who should be worshiped. That's the Lord God Almighty. This is a warning. This is why I think this is in Scripture. Sometimes like, God, why'd you allow that? <laughs> Seriously, like we're at the end of the Bible, and, and he, why do the disciples have to keep on botching it? Because he knows we will too. He knows we will botch it too. If John, who's on the Isle of Patmos, hearing the most incredible vision, botches it, guess what? So will we. So will we. We will be tempted on a daily basis and even fail at a daily basis to worship the one true God. We will fail at not letting other peripheral things become our perspective of worship. You know, our worship is always being challenged. We like to worship our stuff. We like to worship people, and they can be good people. They can be your parents, they can be your spouse, they can be your kids. We like to worship something about the church, like, oh man, I just love this aspect of Kenosha City Church. Well, you better love Jesus more. Does that make sense? Only God is worthy of our praise. And to be prepared, we must make sure our aim of worship is always on Jesus. The reason why we do this each and every Sunday, the reason why we get in our city groups, the reason why we get into our D groups or any other groups that we have around here isn't about us. It's about Jesus. And when it fails to be about Jesus, and when it fails to be about the cross, Satan has won. He has won. But thanks be to God that when we mess up, we can go back to him and he'll receive us freely, amen? So do an assessment right now. Is there anything that you're, you're holding higher than Jesus in your life? Is there anything that excites you more than Jesus? Is there anything that you won't obey Jesus because you're just not ready for that yet? These are the areas that you are holding worship more than Jesus. Do an assessment. Now, a word of warning. Today in the church and in society, there are people trying to redefine what worship or Jesus is all about. Galatians chapter one, verse six says this. Paul warned the Galatian church, which was moving away from the gospel. He says, I'm amazed that you're so quickly turning away from him who called you by grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, and I will now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is free. The gospel is received uh, through, the, through placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and receiving the grace that means the undeserved favor he wants to give us. But people want to preach another gospel today. Brandon brought it up briefly last week. He brought up deconstruction. People that are literally undoing, unbuilding what they've learned, what Scripture clearly says. And I'm not talking about a refining or coming to a clear understanding of Scripture. No, that's growing. 
Deconstruction is exactly, it's tearing down. Deconstruction is so popular right now where people are like, I don't know about the virgin birth. Or, did Jesus really say, or what did he really say about sexuality? Or what did Jesus really say about if the Bible's true? Like when people begin to ask that question and their aim is to actually make you confused, they're trying to deconstruct you. It's no different than when Satan tried to deconstruct Adam and Eve and they bought into it. Did God really say you can't eat from that tree? Today, to not have faith is a virtue. Don't fall into that trap of that false gospel. Another one's legalism. I mentioned that today. This is a person who thinks their good works makes them good. It's faith plus grace plus whatever work it is. If you add in, if, this is our definition. The gospel of good news is faith plus grace plus nothing. You receive Jesus by faith. He gives you grace. That's it. But what we want to do is we want to add something to show people, well, I merit this. I did good, right? Faith plus grace plus baptism. Faith plus grace plus, plus communion. Faith plus grace plus uh, catechism. Faith plus grace plus I walked an old lady across the street. Faith plus grace plus fill in the blank. Those things are a false gospel. Faith plus grace plus nothing. Anything else is legalism. And the third one is this, and this is where I think we fall into the trap the most as a society, is tribalism. Now, don't get mixed up by this word. It's not like literally tribes from Africa. It's tribalism, like we get into our tribe, we get into our teams. This is a person who places their friendship group, their denomination, or their expression of faith above the mission of Jesus Christ. Tribalism can take the form of progressive Christianity on one end, or it could take the end of legalism. It can hit any church. It's a club. It's a clique. It's conformity. These are the currency of tribal Christianity. If a person or church is not on mission, but they're all about the conformity to the community, they will look more like the personalities in the church instead of Christ transforming the people in the church. So we must understand this. We need to have wholehearted worship towards the one and only Lord Jesus Christ, nothing and nobody else. Last one. I said three. I'm going to give you a bonus. Wholehearted faith in Jesus. We can't end this today by not only exhorting you to be on mission, but inviting people to have an opportunity to receive Jesus. Let me just read you the remainder of Revelation 22 as we close off. Jesus says, look, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. Listen, I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may find the right tree of life and may enter the city of the gates. Outside of the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone else who loves and practices falsehood. But I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Both the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears says, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. I testify to everyone who hears these words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to them the plagues that are written in this book. And yet anyone who takes away from the words of this book of the prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city, which are written about in this book. He who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Jesus can come back at any moment. Are you right with him? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If today you are uncertain you have a relationship with Jesus, or today you know you've never personally placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you never asked him to forgive you of your sins, you've never asked him to come into your life, you never placed your faith and trust that he died on the cross to save you from your sins, that he rose from the dead, if you've never personally done that, listen, nobody can do it for you, class can't do it for you, reading a book doesn't do it for you, you have to personally receive what Jesus did. If you've never said, Jesus, please, 
I place my faith and trust in you. If you've never personally done that, today is the day, the Bible says. He knows what you've done in the past, what you're doing currently, and he wants to receive you as you are and take you where he's going. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if that's you today, you want to make certain of it or you want to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. You want to be forgiven of your sins. You want to know that you're going to spend eternity with him in heaven. If that's you today, with every head bowed and eyes closed, we just slip up your hand and say, yeah, it's me. I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to place my faith and trust in him alone. I'm saying yes to Jesus. I want to receive him in my life. I want to, I want to, I want to see my, my sins forgiven. Just slip up your hand up high and say, yep, that's me. That's me. Awesome. So Father, we thank you for those that are saying yes to you today. Lord Jesus, I just pray they would, they would pray out to you right now and say, Lord Jesus, I realize I've sinned. I realize I need a savior. There's nothing I can do to take away my sin. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross, raising from the dead. I place my full faith and trust in you alone to help me follow you in all my life. As we continue to pray, I just wanna pray for every single person here at Kenosha City Church in person and online that God would make you ready to share Jesus in your life, to make you ready for a second coming. What is it in that area of your life right now that's preventing you from being ready? Man, some of you, you've been relying too much on the past. Your testimonies have cobwebs. God's breathing something new in your life right now. And those excuses that you have in your mind, that's not from God, those are from somebody else. God wants to use you. Isn't that a beautiful thing? He wants to use you. So Father, I pray that you breathe new life into each person in this room that indeed their hearts would be, here I am, Lord, use me. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.